Welcome to the Wilton Baptist Church, where we worship God, walk with others, and win people to the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm Pastor Steve, and our congregation is pleased to share this message with you today, and we pray it'll be a blessing and an encouragement to you. Blessings as you listen or watch. Here we are in Jeremiah chapter 8. Have you heard about the man who went to his doctor for a checkup? And he came back to the doctor the next day to get the results from the test. And he said, Doc, how's, how, how am I doing? Uh, how do I look? The doctor said, I have some good news and I have some bad news. Which do you want first? And the man said, oh, let me have the good news first. The, the doctor said, well, the good news is... You have 24 hours to live. Good grief, that's the good news, said the patient. The man gasped. He said, I've got 24 hours to live. What's the bad news? He said, I should have told you yesterday. (laughs) Uh, You know, doctors and medicine and and these are life and death, death issues. It's all part of living. Life and death, death is the sad part of living. Here we find something about a doctor, a physician, There's a balm of Gilead that the passage speaks of that we'll see here in just a moment. And this is a balm that you can apply to your life today. Now, we'll not begin reading um, in verse 1. We'll come back to that. But let's start in verse, let's, let's go with verse 15 to start out. Okay, so Jeremiah 8, verse 15. We look for peace. That's the word shalom for those who like the Hebrew language, shalom or peace. But no good came. And for a time of health, and behold, trouble. They said, we're looking for some peace and health. And we all could say, that sounds like good things to look for. Let's look for some peace. And we want to be in health. We don't want to be in pain or hurt. The word health means healing or cure or soothing. And definitely we could agree with them on this. But notice the snorting of his horses was heard from Dan. Now keep in mind, this is uh, Jerusalem and Judah, and the enemy is impending. They're coming, and an attack is probably imminent at some point here. They could hear off in a distance that there is an, an enemy army that is coming. So the hoofs were heard, the snorting of horses were heard from Dan. That'd be like from here to, um, to Albany, basically, it's as small as the nation the landmass of Israel is. So they're getting closer. The whole land trembled at the sound of the name of his strong ones, for they are come and have devoured the land and all that is in it, the city and those that dwell therein. For behold, I will send serpents and cockatrices. If you want to write poisonous vipers right beside the word cockatrices in your copy of scripture, that's what it is. So poisonous serpents, snakes, which will not be charmed. You can't Uh, Calm these snakes down, and they shall bite you, saith the Lord. When I would comfort myself against sorrow, my heart is faint in me, Jeremiah said. Behold the voice of the cry of the daughter of my people because of them that dwell in a far city. And here's their cry. Is not the Lord in Zion? Is not her king in her? Is God here? Is God with us in Jerusalem? That was their cry. Why have they provoked me to anger? with their graven images, with their strange vanities. That's God's response. They say, where is God if the enemy's coming? We're going to trust him to get out. Not that they were at this point. 
But because in the past he did, because this is God's city, we're trusting that fact. And God says, well, why did you provoke me to anger? Why did you bow down to graven images? We know from the last chapter, why did you sacrifice your kids to fake gods and with strange vanities? The harvest is past. The summer is ended. We are not saved. This is a an old proverb. It's written just like a proverb, a proverbial statement. The harvest is past. The summer is ended. We are not saved. In other words, no harvest, no hope. No harvest, no hope. The people, some, are starting to see their condition. Jeremiah sees it. Absolutely. No harvest, no hope. God has already begun his judgment upon us. In chapter 5, verse 24, we mentioned a few weeks ago about the early and the latter rain. That wasn't happening. And, and God had already begun his chastisement of his people. And notice as the passage continues, For the hurt of the daughter of my people, I am hurt. Have you ever felt like, because that person is hurting, I feel like I have some pain as well? That's what they said. That's what... Uh, Jeremiah is saying here, I am black. Astonishment had taken hold upon me. The black has the idea of a mourning attire. So sometimes you'll go to a funeral, people today, maybe even today still will wear black. And in old times, they would even paint their faces black sometimes and put ashes on their head. Sackcloth and ashes, that phrase, they would blacken themselves and it was all an expression of mourning, of loss. And so he, he says, I'm black. It's not skin tone or color. It's talking about the act of mourning. I am mourning. And he says then, is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is not the health of the daughter of my people recovered? A balm in Gilead. There was a resin used in medicine and it was available just a little bit more than a day's journey away in Gilead. And though it was near, the people refused God's help. That's what he's illustrating with this. There's a balm in Gilead. It's a day away. If you would travel there and get back, it's, a, it's an analogy. You could go get some medicine for this. And God's saying, I'm right here. You could get some medicine for this. Is there a king in the house? Is there a king on the throne in Jerusalem? Well, God's still God. And God is still the great physician who can heal the hurting heart and the soul that has wandered away from God. Is there a doctor in the house? That's what we'll call our message here today. A doctor in the house. Today we use balm like uh, chapstick and, and uh, chapstick and lip balm. And maybe you have some lotion or aloe vera for burned skin, triple antibiotic and cooling gels. or things like this. We're familiar with balms. And uh, they had some balms available. The balm in Gilead is a metaphor that the people would have understood. And so there's a parallel line. Why then is there no healing for the hurt or the wound of my people? Just uh, beyond, just not far away, they could have got some help. There's a remedy. There's a, a remedy for the, the people's wound. Repentance. Turn back to God. Come back to Jehovah God. There was a physician who could heal all of their spiritual sickness. But they said, no. We don't want the help that you offer. They refused to consult the great physician. And he even sent his messengers like Jeremiah, like the doctor's assistants, uh, and, and they said no to him as well. 
From Joseph in Egypt in Genesis to uh, Dr. Luke in Colossians, physicians are found throughout the Bible. There's medicine and dietary restrictions that are prescribed throughout Scripture. Is there a doctor in the house? Yes, there is. And the Lord is the doctor, the great physician who was ready to help. Psalm 103 carries this idea, verse 3. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities? Who healeth all thy diseases. There's many other verses, just an example there, of how God is the great healer. And more than physical healing, we need spiritual healing. And this is true for all of us. Think about this. Why are we sometimes still spiritually sick? Have you ever felt like I'm spiritually sick? Why are some still wondering away from God and just refusing the great physician who has the remedy for their life. Why do you feel terrible about religion? Why do you feel terrible about your particular religion? Why do you have constant emotional and spiritual pain? These are questions to ask. Consider this in your life. I mean, what's the deal with my spiritual well-being? Being healed spiritually has a lot greater benefits than being healed physically. And we, we all pray for people to be healed physically. And that's a big concern, of course, for all of us. If you're in pain or hurting and uh, things aren't working right, uh, we understand this. God uses chronic pain and weakness sometimes, along with other afflictions, as his chisel for sculpting our lives. Felt weaknesses that deepens our dependence upon Christ and gives us strength for each day. The weaker we feel, the harder we lean into God. And the harder we lean, the stronger we grow spiritually, even while our bodies could be wasting away. Even like Paul spoke about a thorn in the flesh, uh, to live with your thorn uncomplainingly, that is sweet, and to have patience in spite of that, to be free in heart, to love others, and to love God like he's called us to, in spite of the weakness, in spite of the pain, in spite of the suffering. I think about for about 10 years, Natalie had this uh, terrible Lyme disease, and, and she leaned into God during that time. And there's moments when she couldn't move and couldn't function and things like this. And uh, she is very close to God because of that terrible time in her life. I've had different things over the years. I had, uh, there's a stretch of time I had my teeth kept falling out. <laughs> or, yeah, yeah, they kept falling out. So I was missing eight teeth at one point. And so I didn't leave as I should have. In fact, I was kind of angry about it. Like, it's hard to talk. It's hard to eat, you know? And some of you have been there with that. This last week, I had the last set of teeth installed over here, and this is my first speaking to you with all but one. It's way back in the back. You're not going to replace it. All but one is in there. But I have to confess, at some points, I was more angry than leaning into God like I should have. I see her as a great example, so I confess that to you. And uh, shame on me for that. Like, what's wrong with my mouth? There's teeth falling out. And, um, but, but for her, she kept leaning into God. Friends, God offers healing, but a lot of times we look for the physical, but there's a spiritual component that a lot of times we miss. God offers us spiritual 
healing. So let's give a self-examination. Okay, are you ready? Self-diagnosis here. Spiritual sickness can affect each of us from time to time. So here are three symptoms to look for. The first we'll find in verses 1 through 7. Verses 1 through 7 here. And notice here they choose death instead of choosing life. At that time, saith the Lord... They shall bring out the bones of the kings of Judah, and the bones of his princes, and the bones of his priests, and the the bones of the prophets, and the bones of the inhabitants of Jerusalem out of their graves. And they shall spread them before the sun, and the moon, and all the hosts of heaven, whom they loved, and whom they served, and after whom they walked, and whom they had sought, and whom they had worshipped. They shall not be gathered, nor be buried. They shall be for dung upon the face of the earth. Okay, so God's people who were called to worship Jehovah God. Instead of doing that, they were worshiping the stars of heaven. They were following after false deities and gods, like he describes here. And so when the enemies come, they would drag these, these bones out, and they would, they would go and raid these tombs and things and see what kind of riches they could find, of course, just you know, raiding uh, like this. And they would carry everything out and leave it out. So God said, this is what I'm going to do. When they come, they'll be doing some of this, and this is what takes place. In death shall be chosen rather than life. That's kind of a tragic phrase, isn't it? For a statement. By all the residue of them that remain of this evil family, which remain in all the places whither I have driven them, saith the Lord of hosts. So he had other plans, but they remained. They chose death instead of life. Instead of returning and repenting and coming back to God, they did not choose that. And so this is going to be the result. Moreover, thou shalt say unto them, God tells Jeremiah, say this, Thus saith the Lord, shall they fall and not arise? Shall they turn away and not return? Why then is this people of Jerusalem slidden back by a perpetual backsliding? They hold fast. They cling to deceit. They refuse to return. I hearkened and heard, but they spake not aright. No man repented him of his wickedness, saying, What have I done? Every one turned to his course as the horse rusheth into battle. Yea, the stork in the heaven knoweth her appointed times, and the turtle and the crane and the swallow observe the time of their coming. But my people know not the judgment of the Lord. When it says turtle there, it's talking about a turtle dove, not the little turtle on the ground. And so they don't have a spiritual response. They have a natural response. They have a unnatural response to what God has done. An unregenerate response. They don't act like they know the Lord in response to what God has called them to do and to be. An unnatural response. And here's the response. Instead of holding on to truth, they hold on to deceit. To hold fast means to grow or to be growing firm or strong or to strengthen. That's the definition of here. It's uh, Chazak, Chazak, to be or to grow firm and strong or to strengthen. That's what it means to hold fast. In other words, they were feeding in them what was repelling them away from God. They were holding fast to things that were removing them and pushing them further away from the Lord by holding on to the deceit, the lies. Their practice and daily life choices affirmed and contributed to a stronger position against the truth. This is why it's so important that we understand who we're listening to so that we're not distracted from the truth 
and uh, what we're viewing, how we participate in life, what they chose to believe, and, uh, and what they were encouraging one another to do was hold on to lies instead of holding on to truth. And so they held fast to deceit. They refused to return. This word refuse, it just means what it says here, to reject, to refuse. And uh, God heard this rejection. God saw this rejection. And no one wanted to repent and turn back to God. That's what verse 6 is saying. I hearkened and heard, but they spake not aright. No man repented him of his wickedness. What, what a terrible place that they find themselves in. And the birds, the birds in verse 7 they have a natural response. They're choosing to do what they've been called to do, how God created them to be. Here's the stork of heaven, knoweth her appointed times, the turtle and the crane, the swallow, observe uh, the time of their coming. But my people know not the judgment of the Lord. Think about birds. This morning on my way here, I believe I saw uh, an American bald eagle. A guy was standing on the road. He was just looking up like that. And I had already spotted it off in the distance as I was driving. I was just like, oh, this is great. And I was trying not to swerve too much while I was looking up and trying to see this American bald eagle. And uh, a lot of you, some of you are bird watchers, and you like to see uh, the birds come and go and everything. Well, birds have natural paths that they fly. And there's natural, instinctive things that they have in them. And think about even the Canadian geese as they go south, as they head back north, and we see their patterns. And some of the other of God's amazing uh, creatures, the birds in the air, they have a natural path that they fly and places that they habitate. And, and uh, God's people, however, they refuse a supernatural response to God's path for them. All this time, I have a path for you. I have a path for you. I've called you to this. And they keep saying no. It's an unnatural Response. In contrast, Israel, in contrast to birds, which follow their instincts to, in order to survive, Israel behaves unnaturally toward her creator. Okay, who made us? God did. Who created us? We belong to God. And uh, we are made where it's a marred image of the Lord because of sin, because of our sinfulness. A natural response could be, I don't understand. The natural man doesn't understand the things of God. An unnatural response would be this. I, I am going to reject God because I need my sin instead of God. It's going back to natural man in that way. A supernatural response is what they really needed. I repent. I confess my sin. I don't want this sin. I don't want these fake gods that I've served and lived for. I need the Lord himself. I repent. I turn around. That's a supernatural response. So let's ask some questions. Here's a self-diagnosis. When you are confronted with truth, when truth is shared, how do you respond? How do you respond? Okay, what's your attitude like? Uh, here's some questions with this. When truth is shared with you, do you feel anger? Okay, pride, ego, your ego's injured. Oh, that hurt. I don't, I don't care if they're true or not. I don't like them saying that to me. You know, anger, okay? Do you feel attacked? It's truth is shared. No matter how it's shared, truth is shared. I feel attacked. Um, he's stepping on my toes right now. Or she said something I didn't really like, and, okay, feel attacked. Uh, defensive, are you defensive? Okay, a lot, this is a, a lot of us go to this mode. I'll defend myself. Well, 
tit for tat. Like, you said this, well, I'll say that. And I'm going to defend myself. This is why. And here's my explanation. Here's is why. This is like this. Okay, we're, we become defensive. Offer excuses. That's the, here's, here's, I'm really sorry about that, but here's the real, real reason why. Okay, this is the sorry excuses. Are you appreciative when someone shares truth? Oh, thank you for telling me that. I didn't see it or I didn't understand it, or I didn't realize it. Thank you for sharing that. Are you repentant? I was wrong. Forgive me. Please forgive me. Uh, I shouldn't have done or been or uh, said that. Colossians 2.13 tells us, And you, being dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, we have a God that's in the resurrection business, and we were dead in our trespasses and sins, not just sick, but dead in our trespasses and sins. But he's quickened us. He's made us alive. And so we need that spiritual renewal. If you've never trusted Christ, believe the gospel. Trust Christ for yourself. Now, there's a spiritual and supernatural response that God's people should have had. We read about in, in Second Chronicles chapter 7, 14, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves, there's a key term, and pray, key term, and seek my face, seek, key term, and turn, key term, is repentance, that's what turn means, repenting from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Who's the great physician that can heal? The Lord. But we have to go to the great physician. We gotta go to the doctor for that healing that he offers to us. So they had an unnatural response. What's your response to truth? Number two, an abnormal growth of sin. An abnormal growth of sin. Let's pick up reading then in verse eight. How do you say we are wise? And the law of the Lord is with us. Lo, certainly in vain he made he it. The pen of the scribes is in vain. In other words, they wrote lies. This is the first time that the scribes as a professional uh, position is listed in scripture. Scribes are just like writers before, but this is a, a professional class of people here. And uh, they were writing lies. They were not writing truth. The wise men are ashamed. They are dismayed and taken low. They have rejected the word of the Lord. And what wisdom is in them? Therefore will I give their wives unto others and their fields to them that shall inherit them. For every one of the, of the least from the least, even to the greatest, is given to covetousness. From the prophet, even to the priest, every one dealeth falsely. For they have healed the hurt of the daughter of my people slightly. All right. And here's how they did that. Peace, peace, when there is no peace. They, they treated the symptom, but not the issue itself. They were glossing over their lack of repentance and trust in God, and they, they just said, oh, it's going to be peace, peace, don't worry, Babylonian, don't worry about that. Uh, and they were giving false messages, and it was glossing over, treating not the actual problem, but just surface treating uh, the symptoms. They were ashamed when they had, com were they ashamed, rather, when they committed abomination? That's a key question. Nay or no. They were not at all ashamed. Neither could they blush. Therefore shall they fall among them that fall in the time of their visitation. They shall be cast down, saith the Lord. I will surely consume them, saith the Lord. There shall be no grapes on the vine, nor figs in the tree. And the leaf shall fade, and the things that I have given them shall pass away from them. Why do we sit still? Assemble yourselves. Let us enter into the defense cities. Let us be silent there. 
For the Lord our God hath put us in silence and given us water of gall to drink because we have sinned against the Lord. And again, they're looking for peace in verse 15 and health. But instead of peace, they found none. And instead of health, they found trouble. Like a tumor, their sin was left unchecked and untreated. And uh, the scribes, the prophets, the priests, they were also uh, involved in the sins of coveting and lying and treating the symptoms, but not the source of the problems, just healing slightly, like verse 11. We heard the same thing over in chapter 6, verse 14. They have healed also the hurt of the daughter of my people slightly, saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. Friends, listening to too many voices and differing voices will lead one astray. It'll lead you astray. These false prophets, the scribes, the false priests, they were leading the people away from God. For years, there was a lawyer and a doctor who played golf together on a regular basis. They were unevenly, they were pretty evenly matched for a while. There was a keen sense of rivalry. But then, one spring, the lawyer's game suddenly improved so much. He was just beating the doctor, hands down. Every golf match, uh, he was winning very easily. And so, the doctor's efforts to improve his own game were unsuccessful, but he came up with an idea. I mean, he was trying to get better, but he couldn't get any better than he was. So, he came up with an idea. He went to a bookstore, and he picked up three golf books on how to play golf. And he sent them to his lawyer friend uh, for a birthday present. And it wasn't too long after that they were evenly matched once again. <laughs> uh, he gave them too many voices to listen to. Oh, this is how you swing. This is how you swing. This is how you hold the, the golf club. And it had a positive effect for him, but a negative one for him. This can happen to us too. By the way, I thought that story was funny. I, maybe I told it wrong, but uh, anyway. <laughs> uh, too many distracting voices... People saying the wrong thing, it's going to get you out and off the path that God's clearly laid out for us in the Scripture. So we have to be careful. The people chose their sin over God. They were coveting. They were lying. Uh, Hebrews 13.5 says, Let your conversation be without covetousness. Conversation there means living your lifestyle. Be without coveting. And be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, Jesus said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And then lying. Ephesians tells us in chapter 4, verse 25, Wherefore, put away lying. Speak every man truth with his neighbor. For we are members one of another. Are you like this? We tend to... We do tend to lie to ourselves first, and then sometimes we start to believe that lie, and then we start to share that lie with other people. That's, that's usually how our lies go. There's an August 2022 survey that said, on average, Americans lie four times a day. If they were honest on their survey, <laughs> it'd be four times a day. But then they claimed we are lied to by other people six times a day. Okay, our culture's like that. I've, I've read even stats even higher than that about the amount of lies that we convey to ourselves and to one another. Jonathan Edwards, the old-time congregational preacher of the American Enlightenment era, he wrote this. He said, The old original wounds must first be probed in their depth 
before there can be healing. The scripture compares sin with the wound of the soul and says that an attempt to heal this wound without examining it first is vain and deceitful. It is God's message to show men how awful their state is before he brings the comfort of deliverance and healing. The gospel must be revealed as bad news before it can be good news. Of course, that's true. Why need a savior unless we're lost and need a savior to save us from our sins? And it is that sin that separates us from God. There's a gulf fix. There's something in between us and God. And we can't bridge that gap without Christ and without his, uh, his sacrifice for us. Sin has a price. There's a death penalty for our sin. Jesus took the death penalty for you. He took the death penalty for me. He traded places. It's called a substitutionary, substitutionary atonement. Trading places. He took our sin on himself and died in your place. He took the death penalty for you. Okay, so a person, when they say, I admit, I, admit, I can't save myself. I don't want to take the death penalty because we can't pay for our sin and go to heaven. People who pay for their sin, they go to hell. All right? But we can trust Christ. And he can forgive us. That's the whole point of him dying. He paid the price for you. He paid the price for your sin and mine. There's a Roman Catholic soldier who was lying wounded in France. And a chaplain came near him. The wounded man said, I, I don't want to talk with you. You don't believe in our mother, our mother. The chaplain said, we respect uh, who Mary is, but I, I think that you really need a doctor. Yes, said the man, I need a doctor. The chaplain answered, well, would you rather have the doctor or the doctor's mother? You're about to die. Would you rather have the doctor's mother or the doctor? The man said, give me the doctor. You see, there's no intermediator between God and man except for Jesus Christ. He's the only one. We don't pray to other people or other saints or deities or go-betweens go or anything. We, we pray to God the Father through the person of Jesus Christ. And the reason we do so is because that's what the Bible teaches. A, a natural response to truth. There's an abnormal growth of sin. And number three, an irregular spiritual lethargy. Is that how you say it, lethargy? Le lethargy, lethargy, lethargy. They were tired spiritually. That's what it was. They were tired. They had a lack of spiritual energy. They attempted to fix life themselves. They did things that were not spiritual in nature. Notice in verse 14, why do we sit still? Assemble yourselves. Let us enter into the defense cities. Let us be silent there. For the Lord our God has put us to silence and given us water of gall to drink because we have sinned against the Lord. We look for peace, but no good came. And, not, and for a time of health, and behold, trouble. The snorting of horses was heard from Dan. The whole land trembled at the sound of the name of his strong ones. For they are come and have devoured the land and all that is in it, in the city and those that dwell therein. And verse 17, For behold, I will send serpents, cockatrices among you, which will not be charmed but they shall bite you. They shall bite you, saith the Lord. They had an irregular spiritual lethargy, lethargy, uh, a lack of spiritual energy, trying to fix things in a physical way. All right, we're just sitting here. Let's get up and do something about it. But we can't fight them, so let's go hide. Let's go, let's go get out of here. Let's do what is safe. Let's go to the defense cities and sit there and wait and see what happens. Okay, so that's what they do. But then they also do what feels good. What makes it, what's feeling good for us in this moment? We look for peace. We want peace. 
but no good came. And a time of health, we want a time of health, healing, curing, and soothing. That's what the word means. We would say these, these seem like good things, but they needed more than just some kind of a superficial soothing or healing. Their hearts and their relationship with God needed spiritual medicine. They needed the great physician. God was near, but they did not seek him. Verse 5 describes they did not return to the Lord. Verse 6 tells us that they did not repent and turn back to God. And as verse 19 then says, they express they do not need the Lord. They were asking, where is he at? Behold, the voice of the cry of the daughter of my people, verse 19. Because of them that dwell in the far country, is not the Lord in Zion? Is not her king in her? Why have they provoked me to anger with their graven images and their strange vanities? You see, they did not really seek the Lord. Graven images has to do with little idols and statues that they carved out themselves. And so it means carved images, something made by their hands. Strange, that word means it does not belong to you. A strange God. So they went after gods that did not belong to them. Vanities, so this has to do with worth, worthless idols. And that's, this is what God's people ran after. Things that don't matter. False gods and deities. They forsook the Lord and replaced God with fake idols that were made by their hands. They couldn't hear them. They couldn't respond to them. Have you ever felt like this? Sometimes there are Christian atheists. Have you ever felt like that? Okay, sometimes we can be Christian atheists. We believe Christ. We say we love the Lord. We know he's our Savior, but we live like we don't know it. Okay, it's a Christian atheist. Okay, I've been there before. Where you just, you go through the motions, you practice Christianity, but you're not really walking with the Lord. We live life like God is not there. They ask this question, is not God in Zion? Isn't he in his throne? In the inst- at the temple? Okay, they didn't care about God. We've already identified they were more satisfied that they had the temple there. So, well, since the temple's here, we'll be okay. We must be invincible. Instead of the God of the temple, they trusted in the temple. But friends, it's the same for us. Like we, we want to be healed, but we need the healer more than the healing. We need to know the one who loves us in a greater way. The one who gave his life for us. God was near. He could have healed them. But they did not seek the great physician. Sometimes we're like the Christian atheists living life as if God is not there. They assumed that God would always be there, like verse 19 indicates, but they were the ones who were not near God. They were not near the Lord. Is the king in Jerusalem? Yes. Is the king the king of Zion, Mount Zion? Yes, he's always been and always will be. God is still God. Is he always the great physician? Yes. Is he always near? To those who are drawing nigh to him, absolutely, he'll always be right there. They were the ones who were backpedaling with a perpetual backsliding, like what we read just a little bit ago. They forsook the Lord and replaced him. Now, Jeremiah is crushed by their sin. Because God's people are crushed, the prophet himself is crushed. In verse 21, you can just feel the, the pain in his voice. The, For the hurt of the daughter of my people, I am hurt. 
I am black. Astonishment hath taken hold upon me. He puts that a mourning, that mourning, grieving attire on. He says, I'm feeling their pain. And he meant it. It was a painful time. So completely was Jeremiah had identified with his people five times in six verses. He, he says, these are, oh, daughter of my people. He uses this phrase. But I would suggest to you that it's not only Jeremiah who's hurting. It's more than that. God is pained by their sin. Our sin affects God as well. One person wrote about this. The cross in the New Testament is not the only place that displays how deeply our sin hurts God. I am crushed or hurt is echoed in Ezekiel where Ezekiel says, How I have been grieved by their adulterous hearts. Here Jeremiah says, I mourn, I am darkened or black with this color of of mourning attire. God's wrath is uh, towards sin is usually emphasized. And we emphasize sometimes the wrath of God because we see it in Scripture. But his suffering is equally intense. The suffering of Christ is equally intense because he suffered for our sin. Think of a parent watching a wayward child destroy his or her life by wrong choices. Think about that feeling. And we've seen that, you've experienced this. And and, uh, here's God looking at our lives and here he is looking at Jeremiah and Jeremiah's people and they were walking away from God and it was grieving God's heart think about the prodigal the father the prodigal son the son that stayed home oh he was love for that son to have stayed God was crushed Isaiah 53 5 he was wounded for our transgressions he was bruised for our iniquities the chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed You see, there is a doctor in the house. It's Jesus. We need him. Turn to Christ today. Here's an example. When the scribes and Pharisees saw Jesus eating with publicans and sinners, they said to his disciples, How is it that he eateth with and drinketh with publicans and sinners? Then Jesus heard it. When Jesus heard it, he saith unto them, They that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. When we recognize the gravity of our sin, that's when we turn back and say, I can't save myself. My condition is so backward, it's so upside down, it's so wrong and evil. Only Christ can save. If you're with pride, you're not going to say, I need Christ. Release that pride. Humbly come before the Lord. In 1 Peter 2.22, Jesus, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but has committed himself to him that judgeth righteously, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes we are healed. What a great verse. Who's the great physician? Christ is. He can heal your soul today. For we were as sheep going astray. But he now return to the shepherd and bishop of your souls. Remember Ty Pennington? This, uh, this, this guy? Yeah, Ty Pennington? He's been off TV for a while, but uh, Ty Pennington. And uh, he said this earlier this month. He said, Tuesday morning, I woke up at 4 a.m. and could barely breathe. He wrote to his social media uploads. Turns out that a sore throat that I've had for over a month was actually an abscess which grown uh, so much and it was closing off my airway, and he couldn't breathe. He was rushed to a hospital, 
air flighted there, in fact. They intubated him, and uh, he's since come out of the hospital and is recovering well. But it was really close for a little bit for him, where he almost died, 58 years old, because of this thing that he didn't, get, he didn't go to the doctor soon enough for what he thought was just a, a scratchy throat. Is it ever too late to take medicine? Is it ever too late to go to the doctor? What do you think? Okay. There, there's a threshold. We don't know when it is. We don't know when it is. Well, this is like a miracle drug, okay? There's, there's a point. If you're not, there's no pulse, no breathing. There's a point where it's too late. There's too late. God says as much. God says as much in this passage. Jeremiah, okay, 40 chapters later, several years later, Jeremiah 46, 11, go up to Gilead, take balm, O virgin daughter of Egypt, in vain shalt thou use many medicines, for thou shalt not be cured. Forty chapters later, we don't know exactly how many years, I suspect it's several years has passed, and during that time, Jeremiah keeps preaching, turn back to God, he's the great physician, he'll heal you, he'll forgive you, repent, come back to the Lord, get rid of these false gods, don't listen to those false prophets there, they're leading you astray, but in, instead of repenting, instead of taking the balm of Gilead, it's almost like, not quite a mocking way, but go ahead, go to, go to Gilead, get some balm, but it's already too late. Don't wait till it's too late. Turn to Christ. They were on their last breath and life support was not going to work anymore. We don't know the day that our last breath will be. It could be death. It could be the rapture. We're looking forward to that. We don't know either one. There's an appointment for both. We don't know when. But we've got to be ready. So recognize your spiritual sickness. Christian, whatever sin is there, confess that to the Lord. If you've never trusted Christ, you've never believed the gospel for yourself, maybe you gave a fake uh, claim of salvation, uh, trust Christ for real. Come to him for yourself and know in your heart that you are healed from your sin. It's like the EMT was called. Somebody called the EMT. They're knocking on the door. They're knocking on the door. And the guy comes to the door, doesn't open and just says, leave me alone. Leave me alone. They can't help him out. We want to get, get you to the doctor. Somebody can help you out. Leave me alone. Don't be that person. That's what they were being. And God says at some point, it'll be too late. Folks, let the great physician in. God offers us spiritual healing. Let's take some time to pray and visit with the Lord. Here's some questions for you to consider. And you can see these as we've self-examined today. How do I respond to truth? Ask yourself that. How am I responding to truth? Christian, what sin is in your life that you should confess? A habit, a sin, uh, maybe not loving the Lord like you should or being kind to your neighbor like you should. Uh, maybe just a poor attitude or upset all the time. What's your sin that you need to confess to God? And then... Are you spiritually lethargic? Are you just spiritually tired? Would you seek truth with others? If that's you, seek the truth with other people. Would, would you repent of sin? Let God heal you, repent of sin. Would you then get up and serve God? Like they were saying, let's just sit around here and wait. No, get up and serve God. Let's be real about our faith. 
And let's love God and others well. Let's take just a moment to pray, and you can answer those questions. How do I respond to truth? What do I need to confess? Am I spiritually having a lack of energy? Talk to the Lord about this, then I'll lead us in prayer. Heavenly Father, we know that life can be full of great physical pain and trauma and difficulty. And we know there's medicine and doctors and and wonderful remedies that you've allowed. We thank you for this powerful analogy that you give, the balm of Gilead. Thank you that you're the great physician. There's spiritual sickness, and you are the one who heals. Let us turn to you now in our times of need and each day to get that balm of Gilead and apply it to our lives every day. We thank you for salvation through Christ. We thank you for the healing that we find when Jesus suffered, bled, and died on our behalf. If there's one without Christ, today we pray that they would believe, they would choose Jesus, not love and follow a religion, but love and follow Jesus Christ, believing the gospel for themselves. For Christians here, whatever, whatever sin there may be, whatever uh, self-assessment we've discovered here, we confess that to you, we give that to you. Let us follow you wholeheartedly in our lives. Lord, thank you for this passage and the truth you've shared here. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.